Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank you for another day that you blessed us to make it through. Thankful, Father, that you continue to provide the things needed to sustain life. And thankful, Father, above this for the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. Father, we ask your blessing upon us as we are gathered uh, this evening to study from your word, uh, that we would uh, learn something, Father, or be reminded of something that would help us to be better uh, workers in your service, more committed to the cause of Christ Jesus, uh, better to uh, better position to be an encouragement to those that we come in contact with. Father, we are mindful that uh, there are those that are suffering from hardship and trouble. We pray, Father, for all of those that are dealing with sickness and health issues. We pray for those who are dealing with the sorrow of losing a loved one, uh, Father, for whatever their adversity might be, we ask that you would vis visit them according to their need, but asking in all things that your will would be done. Father, always, above all things, we thank you for Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who makes it all possible. And in his name we do pray and ask all things. Amen. So this evening, we are ready to start uh, 1 Kings chapter 13. Uh, one of the observations uh, to be made as we read through uh, Bible history uh, is you notice in certain areas you can see almost, I'm not going to say, a, a, well, I, I, maybe a restart might be uh, the appropriate term, but you can see a gradual moving away from God. Uh, you start with Adam and Eve, of course, uh, after they did not listen to God's command about uh, eating the tree in the middle of the garden, eating from the tree in the middle of the garden, uh, you see a gradual decline uh, in man's relationship with God. Uh, then you see Israel get over to the promised land, and then you see a gradual decline uh, in their relationship uh, with God. And it's hard to miss in our world today uh, that there has certainly been a decline uh, away from uh, the will of God uh, to the point now where uh, you remember Isaiah said, woe to them that call evil good and good evil, uh, that we're living in a world uh, that very much practices that very thing, where if you stand for what the Bible teaches, you are uh, ridiculed and attacked. But if you are, uh, I guess, one of these progressive free thinkers, uh, then uh, somehow that is applauded. Uh, so just want to keep that in mind uh, as we move into chapter 13, uh, because remember, Paul tells us the things written were written for our learning. Uh, we can learn from the good examples. We can also learn from the negative examples. Uh, if nothing else, from the negative examples, we want to learn don't do what they did, uh, because if we do what they did, then uh, we'll reap as we uh, have sown. All right, so 1 Corinthians, um, 1 Corinthians, 1 Kings uh, chapter 13, uh, if we could get a reader for verses 1 through 4. Okay. Brother Dell. Okay, so it, it reads, now behold, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord while Jeroboam, Jeroboam was standing at the altar to burn incense. 
And he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, Altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name, and on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and human bones shall burn on you. Then he gave a sign on the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be torn to pieces, and the ashes which are on it shall be poured out. Now when the king heard the statement of the man of God, which he cried out against the altar in Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him. But his hand, which he had stretched out toward him, dried up, and he could not draw it back to himself. When we read about Jeroboam, uh, Jeroboam, in, in terms of uh, disposition uh, and experience, reminds you a lot of the Pharaoh uh, that the Lord visited the ten plagues of Egypt upon. Uh, when you read the account you know, of Moses in Egypt, you kind of wonder, when was Pharaoh going to learn his lesson? Uh, every time he did not do what he said he would, God leaned on him, and he was powerless to do anything uh, about it. Uh, and it was until the 10th plague that he finally let the people go, and that was at the urging of his own people. As they said, look, we're, we're dead men if you don't let, the, uh, let them go. And then he tried to chase them down uh, even after that. Jeroboam is much in that same uh, category because we, we've already read that he set up idols in Dan and Bethel uh, that caused Israel to go way into idolatry. Uh, so here we are told that a man of God, uh, which is another way of saying a prophet, uh, came from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. So God sends this man to Jeroboam uh, and, and if you understand anything about God, this has to be an act of uh, mercy because Jeroboam, what you're doing is wrong. And this man is sent to warn Jeroboam to give him a chance uh, to repent, but Jeroboam's gonna take exception. Uh, so the guy tells him, uh, the altar that you're offering sacrifices on, uh, the priests are actually going to be burned uh, on that altar, which is rather ironic that the priest would end up being burned on the very altar uh, that they offered the sacrifices on. Uh, if we peek into uh, chapter 18, you, you'll find a similar experience there. Uh, you remember Elijah uh, with the showdown with the prophets of Baal uh, at Mount Carmel. Uh, so the false prophets met uh, their end uh, in well, in chapter 18, some more false prophets are going to meet their end. Uh, so he tells them uh, not just what's going to happen, but he gives him a sign to affirm that that is going to happen. Because anybody can make uh, predictions. Uh, you know, I could stand here and say five years from now, whatever. Now, it may or may not happen, depend on uh, what I predict. You know, if I just pick a team, uh, Five years from now, you know, a certain team is going to win the World Series or a certain team is going to win the Super Bowl. Now, that may or may not happen. Uh, that's not prophecy like what this man did. Uh, he comes from God with something that God has revealed to him. 
that is certain to happen. So uh, sometimes you hear people say prediction, and it's a little bit stronger than a prediction. You know, weathermen predict the weather. Most of the time they're right, but sometimes they get it wrong. Uh, remember, uh, they said one weatherman shared uh, a funny letter that he had received. Uh, a gentleman wrote him and told him uh, he thought he'd like to know that uh, he had shoveled three feet of partly cloudy uh, off of his porch uh, that morning. So, you know, they predict that they can't say by absolute certain uh, what's going to happen. But when you have a word from the Lord, uh, that thing is certain. You guys keep going the way you're going, and this is what's going to happen. So Jeroboam, uh, when he hears uh, what the man of God says, uh, decides he's going to do some bodily harm. But what Jeroboam missed is you're really not attacking the prophet so much as you are trying to attack God who sent the prophet. Uh, for whatever reason, Jeroboam seems to have neglected that fact. Uh, but we need to remember that. Uh, in fact, Jesus told us, he, he said, uh, if they reject you, it's, it's really not you they're rejecting, they're rejecting me. Uh, we need to remember that in our world today. When, when people reject the gospel, they're not rejecting us because the gospel is not our creation. We, we are simply uh, repeating the message uh, that Jesus himself gave. So Jeroboam decides he's going to try to grab the guy, and he reaches out his hand to grab him. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure what God did, uh, but he fixed his arm so that it wouldn't work. Uh, Jeroboam was not able to grab anybody. Uh, verses 5 through 9. Get a reader for that. Okay, here comes Brother Mike behind you. The <clears throat> First Kings 13, 5 through 9. The altar also was turned tore to pieces, and the ashes were poured out from the altar in accordance with the signs which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king responded and said to the man of God, please appease the Lord your God and pray for me so that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God appeased the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and it became as it was before. Then the king said to the man of God, come home with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a gift. But the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half your house, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord saying, you shall not eat bread, nor drink water, nor return by the way that you came. Now, verse nine is going to be uh, big as we move uh, further into uh, chapter 13. Uh, one of the lessons that we learn, uh, when you have a message from God, stick with what God told you. Now, he is able to repeat the message that he received, which means I understand uh, what God said. 
Uh, didn't we see that in the Garden of Eden? Wasn't Eve able to repeat what God's command was? Uh, we are not to eat. Now, she says we're not even to touch, and people want to make a big deal out of that. But if you stop and think about it, well, if you don't touch it, you sure can't eat it. Uh, so not touching it would, uh, would have been a good thing. Uh, but for whatever reason, Eve decided uh, not to listen. Uh, so this prophet, he says, I can't go back with you. I can't eat or drink because God has told me not to do so. God told him that. So now hold that as we uh, move farther uh, into the narrative. Uh, verse, well, one verse, I'll read that one. So he went another way and did not return by the way that he had come to Bethel. So, so far he's doing good because he's doing exactly what God told him. Don't backtrack. So he's going a, a, a different way. Uh, verses 11 through 16. Can we get a reader there? Uh, Brother Joe. Now an old prophet was living in Bethel, and his sons came to, and told him all the deeds which the man of God had done that day in Bethel. The words which, the words which um, he had spoken to the king, these also they reported to their father. And their father said to them, which way did he go? Now his sons had seen the way that he, the man of God who came to him had gone, well, came from Judah had gone. Then he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him and rode away on it. So he went and so he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. But he said, I cannot return with you, nor come with you, nor will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. So now the old prophet asked him to come home with them. Uh, so now in verse 16, he says, I cannot. Why can't he? Yeah, because God told him, don't do that. Yeah, God told him, look, don't go back the way you've come and don't eat or drink. And that's what God told him. Uh, Many times people want to concentrate on why would the old prophet go ask him to do something that he couldn't do. And I think that misses the point. The point is he understands what God told him. So it really doesn't matter who comes to him and says what. I need to stick with what God said. Uh, man, would to God our world today would do just that. Stick with what God said, which is revealed to us in the Bible. Uh, but how many times do you find people that will hold to the family tradition or hold to uh, what they heard some religious leader say? Uh, an attitude ought to be like Balaam at the first. You remember Balaam the first time he said, he said, I can't go beyond the word of the Lord to do more or less. Uh, now, he tried to wiggle around it and ended up getting in trouble. Uh, but when, we, when you know what God says, when you're clear on what God says, stick with what God said. Uh, Brother Pratt. Yeah, another way, when you think about it, when he says, do not return the way you came, it means don't retreat. 
Mm-hmm. Keep pressing forward. I got you on a mission I for like a reason. That. Yeah. No retreat. No retreat. I like that. Yeah. No retreat. And we ought not retreat uh, from the word of God. In fact, uh, Jude tells us that we ought to earnestly contend uh, for the faith. Yeah. All right. Uh, 17 through 21. Okay. And he's going to give us the reason why he can't. 17 through 21. One. Mm-hmm. For a command came to me by the word of the Lord, uh, you shall not eat bread, nor drink water there. Do not return by going the way that you came. Then he said to him, I too am a prophet like you. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you to your house, so that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. Now it came about as they were sitting down at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. And he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah saying, this is what the Lord says, because you have disobeyed the command of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you. Uh, and I couldn't fit it all on that one slide, but a couple of things. Now, that old prophet, uh, we, we used to say two-faced. He sure sounds two-faced. But on one hand, he goes to him and says, come back. And he says, I can't. And he said, well, the angel told me, tell you, come on back. And so the prophet listens. And then when he goes back, the prophet says, now you're in trouble because you did what God said don't do. I'm like, man, but you told me an angel said, uh, and again, a couple of considerations. If God spoke to the prophet the first time, God could just have easily spoken to him again. And God said, don't retreat. Don't eat anything. Don't drink anything. Now, until you hear from God again, guess what you ought, get, ought to do? Don't retreat. Don't eat anything. Don't drink anything. Well, an angel told me. Well, the angel might have told you, but he didn't say anything to me. When people today claim to get messages from God, anytime you get a message and it contradicts what God has revealed in his word, I'm not going to say who the message is from, but I know who it wasn't from. God doesn't contradict itself. Now, if you, you heard a voice that told you you don't have to be baptized, I don't know who that was. But it wasn't, it wasn't God, it wasn't the Holy Spirit, it wasn't Jesus. Because that's exactly what his word tells us uh, we need to do. So the young prophet is without excuse. However you want to slice what the older prophet did, the, the young prophet is without excuse. God spoke to him, he should have stayed with what God said. The older prophet comes, you know, uh, an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord. But the telling thing is those last five words, but he lied to him. Why, why would he do such a thing? Why, why would he lie to uh, the younger prophet? All right, jealousy? Selfish ambition? Any other takers? Now, you know, any of those things might be right. We really don't know, but it really doesn't matter. 
The net result is he lied to him. It doesn't matter what reason you tell a lie for, a lie is a lie, no matter what the reasoning behind it is. Uh, you know, if you lie to somebody to make them feel better, haven't you still lied to them? Yeah, you lie to somebody hoping they'll miss out on an opportunity. You still lied to them. It, it, the, the rationale doesn't matter. A lie is a lie, and this is what he did. He lied to the younger prophet. But again, the focal point should be the younger prophet knew better. He knew exactly what God had commanded. He was crystal clear uh, about that. But he decides, uh, you know, if you say an angel told me to go home with you and have something to eat, then I'll go home with you and have something to eat. Now, I suspect that he might have been willing to listen because uh, he may well have been a little hungry and a little thirsty, which is to say sometimes lies are appealing, but it doesn't stop them from being lies. Uh, you think, what did Satan tell Eve? You shall not surely die. So then what did Eve see? It's good looking fruit and it'll make me wise. I think I'll have some, uh, but wasn't it still a lie? Yeah, so it was still a lie in this case. Yeah, and like you said, Brother Ricky, uh, the word of God is still true today. And, you know, folks will tell you, oh, it's outdated or, hey, you need to try this instead. The word of God is still good. It was good for the early disciples. Mm -hmm. It's good for us today. Yeah. Satan, when he tempted Jesus, Jesus stayed true to God. Mm -hmm. he, he stayed true to the word. And we have to do just the same. Absolutely. Uh, and a wise person knows a lie when you hear it. One of the more popular lies being told is that the Bible is outdated. That's impossible. Why? Because God is eternal and God knows everything. Yeah, and people use that sometimes uh, for things in the Bible that they care not to uh, take heed to. That was for them. But that doesn't apply to us now. Well, if it doesn't apply to us now, how do we know that? See, because otherwise, you just like this old prophet. An angel told me to tell you to come on back. Well, God spoke to me once. God could speak to me twice. Until God himself changes the message, I'm going to stick with what God said. Don't people use that today? Yeah, they'll tell, tell you, man, God's laws, those apply to uh, first century people, because they lived in a different time and a different culture. The word of God is eternal. You don't think God knew times were going to change and people were going to change, Brother Pratt? Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, today and, and forever. forever. That's right. Yeah, God knew, if, if you read, read the Bible, God knew before he said, let there be light that we were going to need to be saved from our sins. Nothing catches God by surprise uh, or, or happens to God and he didn't see it coming. So when we start talking this stuff about that applied then, the only way we know it applied then is if there's something expressly in the Bible that tells us that applied then. Now, like the old covenant, we know that applied to Israel. How do we know? Because we're told point blank because Israel wasn't faithful to the covenant that God was going to establish a new one. Uh, with all nations. So that's why we don't offer animal sacrifices. 
because we know that that was for the Israelites under the old covenant. Uh, but when you read something like, uh, I suffer not a woman to teach a man, well, that was just for the first century because they, okay, so where did you get that from? Well, that's what somebody told me. Didn't somebody tell this fellow? God said it was okay for him to go back and uh, eat. Yeah, which was a lie. If God changes his mind, God is fully capable of letting us know either that he has changed his mind or changed his plan. Fully capable. Don't ever rely on somebody's word over scripture. Why do you think uh, Acts 17 11 is in the Bible? The Bereans searched the scriptures whether those things were so. They didn't just take anybody's word for it. Once I read it in the scripture, unless there's another scripture that speaks to the contrary, this is the way we're going to proceed. Where's salvation? In Christ. Until God says it's in the Buddha or whoever, it's in Christ. Yeah, we need to stick with what God has said. So the old man now starts to rebuke him. You in trouble because you have disobeyed the command of the Lord and have not kept the commandment. I would have been put out with that old prophet. Like, how are you going to be rebuking somebody when you're the one that lied to me in the first place? Now, again, if he had just stuck with what God said, all the rest of it becomes a non-factor. I was going to say, in fairness, I'm not sure the prophets have much option in what they say once the word of the Lord comes upon him. It, it kind of seems like he, he, the word of the Lord comes to him and he, he's got to say it. Yeah, it came to him in verse 21, but not up there in verse 18. Yeah, he straight up lied. But like, you lied, then you're going to come back and as kind of like me going outside fighting and then coming here talking about love, you know, love your enemies. Well, I mean, there's a gross contradiction in, in what you're saying. You was just outside fighting. No, you weren't fighting, you were hugging. <laughs> <laughs> and it just necessitated you using your fist while you would. <laughs> I, yeah, however we want to dress it up. Yeah, so uh, he's absolutely saying what God said. And the thing is, the younger prophet deserves what he's getting. Because again, from the jump, God told him, don't retreat, don't eat anything, don't drink anything. He knew that. So if he violates that for whatever reason, uh, he's without excuse. All right. Uh, verses 22 to 25. But you have returned and eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which he said to you, you are not to eat bread nor drink water. Your dead body will not come to the grave of your fathers. It came about after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled the donkey for himself for the prophet who he had brought back now when he had gone, a lion met him on the way and killed him, and his body was thrown on the road, with the donkey standing beside it, 
The lion also was standing beside the body. And behold, men passed by and saw the body thrown on the road and, that, and the lion standing beside the body. So they came and told about it in the city where he, where the old prophet had lived. Yeah, now this is how you know God is working uh, in all of this because you have some things happen that just don't normally happen. Uh, you may have heard me say lions are my favorite animal. I have watched, uh, man, all kinds of documentaries on lions. I actually have some little figurines at home and all that kind of thing. One of the things lions do not do is they do not kill something and then just leave it. Uh, what's the point in killing it if you're just going to leave it? Uh, when lions kill something, there's an intention. I'm killing you to eat you. That, that's what they do. Uh, but here, the lion kills this man and then just uh, stands beside the carcass and didn't kill the donkey. Uh, and it's not the first time we found lions acting out of character. Well, not the only time. It, it is uh, one of the first ones because Daniel would have been after this. Uh, but when Daniel went into the lion's den, you remember God stopped the mouths of the lions uh, so that they wouldn't uh, eat Daniel. So you see God at work here. So he tells uh, the young prophet, uh, you're not going to be buried where your ancestors are. And that was a big thing for them in their culture to, to receive a proper burial. Um, and in fact, we're going to read a little bit later on that one of the uh, curses pronounced on Jeroboam is that his relatives are not going to receive uh, a burial, that they're going to be eaten by the dogs or the birds, depending on, on, on where they die. Uh, so this is unfolding uh, just the way God said it. Uh, you know, if you, cut, if you turn back, if you eat or drink, you're going to be in trouble. And he, it, that's about the worst trouble you could be in because it cost him his life. Uh, so some men see it uh, and they come uh, and tell about it in the city where the old prophet uh, had lived. Uh, 26 through 30. Brother Pratt. Now, when the prophet who had brought him back from the way had heard about it, he said, it is the man of God who disobeyed the commands of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord has given him to the lion, which he torn him and killed him in accordance with the word of the Lord, which he had spoke to him. Then he spoke to his son saying, saddle the donkey for me. And they saddled it. Then he went out and found the, where the body had been thrown on the road with the donkey and the lion standing beside the body. The lion had not eaten the body nor harmed the donkey. So the prophet picked up the body of the man of the God of God and laid it on the donkey and brought it back. He came to the city of the old prophet to mourn and to bury him. He said he, he laid his body in his own grave and he mourned over him saying, oh, my brother. His behavior just strikes me as odd. The, the, the old prophet, first he goes out, he lies to the man. Then when the man listens to him, he rebukes him. Then he talks about it in uh, verse 26, like he had nothing to do with it in, in the first place. It's got to be that prophet that disobeyed God. You mean the same one you lied to? Yeah, him. 
so he goes out and retrieves the body uh, and brings it back uh, and then mourns over him. And then somebody might say, but if you hadn't lied to him, no, if he had listened to God. That's how all of this started. If he had listened to God, none of the rest of it is a possibility. And one of the things I think we take away from this is learning what accountability is. This was not the older prophet's fault. It was the younger prophet's fault because he didn't listen to what God had told him. You know, in our world today, whatever happens, nobody wants to say, yeah, I was wrong, I did it. Yes, you know, I was raised, he provoked me, you know, they told me such and such. I didn't have my medicine. Uh, at the end of the day, what I did was what I did. And however I let other people influence me, that was still uh, my choice. The, the younger prophet made a choice. He chose to listen to the older prophet. Uh, well, when you choose to listen to somebody that's lying to you, guess what happens? You find out they were lying to you. Yeah. It, the, 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 yeah, he got killed by a lion. And, and now I ain't lying. Yeah. So he mourns for him. Uh, oh, my brother. And it is sad. It's tragic. It's ironic. Because you knew. I, you could almost sympathize if he hadn't known better. You know, if you didn't know, well, I mean, you didn't know. You, I mean, that's not going to help you any. But at least you didn't know. This fella knew. Knew full well. Don't we know the will of God now? Yeah, and I'm not saying we could exegete the entire Bible verse by verse from start to finish, but we know God's will. Yeah, so what excuse do we have if we don't obey? None. There is no excuse. Why? Because you understand, which is what God wants everybody to be able to do. I, I want you to make an informed decision. Uh, now, some people are going to choose not to walk with Jesus. In fact, most people are going to choose that. Uh, you know, again, we look at Pentecost, we marvel that 3,000 were baptized, but there were sufficiently more that were not. Yeah, there, there were way more than 3,000 people in Jerusalem at that time, and way more than 3,000 that heard uh, the apostles speak. But about 3,000 decided uh, to obey the gospel. All right, uh, I think we're going to finish up this account. Uh, verses 31 to 34. And after he had buried him, he talked to his son, saying, When I die, bury me in the grave in which the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the thing will certainly come to pass, which he cried out by the word of the Lord against the altar that is in Bethel, and against all the houses of the high places in which, or which are in the cities of Samaria, After this event, Jeroboam did not abandon his evil, his evil way, but he again appointed priests of the high places from which, from all the people, anyone who wanted, he ordained. 
and he became one of the priests of the high places. This event also became a sin of the house of Jeroboam, even to wipe it out and eliminate it from the face of the earth. Yeah, when I was coming up, there was an expression about a hard head. Jeroboam was about as hard-headed uh, as, as hard-headed could be. Uh, so you have the older prophet, he makes a somewhat strange request. He, you know, when I die, bury me with the younger prophet. Uh, okay, you say so. Uh, he affirms that what the younger prophet said at the first uh, to Jeroboam, uh, when we first started chapter 13, he affirms look, that message was from God, which tells you that people of God can mess up. Because he was actually acting on God's behalf when he came to Jeroboam. Now, where he messed up was when he stopped listening and decided to go back and have something uh, to eat with the older prophet. But the telling thing there, after this event, event, Jeroboam did not abandon his evil way. So after you try to assault God's man and your hand withers up uh, and he prays to God for you and, you, and, and, and your hand is restored, Jeroboam sees this, but continues in his idolatrous ways. Now, didn't Jeroboam understand clearly what God's will was. Wasn't it told to Jeroboam, if you will be faithful to me and not fall into the idolatry, idolatrous ways like Solomon did, uh, you will, the kingdom will always be uh, yours. He decided he was not going to listen, uh, just decided for whatever reason. Uh, and if you stop and think about that rationally, you, you can't come to a rational understanding of why somebody would defy God because defying God is irrational. Yeah, you ever tried to sit down and think why people would just willfully persist in sin? Well, you, you just left shaking your head because there is no good reason. I mean, when you know what God says, you know what the consequences are going to be and you choose that way anyhow, what good reason can you offer for that? None. So what good reason is there for what Jeroboam did? None. Other than the fact he was just wicked. He was just an evil man. Uh, so this event, uh, verse 34, also became a sin of the house of Jeroboam, even to wipe it out. Now, we talked about this before, but here's one of the dangers uh, of sin. I'm not just a danger to myself. I'm danger to people that their lives are attached to mine. Uh, if you stop and think about it, kids growing up today may well grow up with a different sense of value. Uh, I've heard, unfortunately, that same-sex couples in some places are allowed to adopt. What do you think about the kid that comes up with two men or two women being married. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that kid has to continue in that belief, because I dare say many of us uh, didn't grow up members of the church. 
Many of us grew up some other uh, religious persuasion uh, and were converted to the gospel. Uh, Now that's not an easy process uh, because you have to admit what I was doing was wrong and everybody who was doing what I was doing uh, is wrong. Brother Fleming? Mm -hmm. It's not a situation that you can just walk away from. Yeah. God always had to bring you to a real what's happening to the point where you accept the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So you know it's miraculous. Yeah. And uh, we learn from the parable of the sower and the seed uh, that the one thing you have to have for God to work with you is a good and honest heart. If you have a good and honest heart, God can work with you. You don't have to be a Hebrew scholar or a Greek scholar, an elder or deacon. Just if you just have a good and honest heart, God can work with you. Because uh, the seed, when it falls in a good and honest heart, uh, bears fruit. Uh, that's according to the will of God. Uh, so when it doesn't bear fruit or doesn't bear fruit to perfection, uh, is the problem with the seed or the soil? The soil, it, absolutely with the soil. There's no problem with the word of God. And the seed is the word of God, according to uh, Luke eight eleven, I believe it is. Uh, no problem with the seed. There can be a problem with the soil. And Jeroboam was about as bad as soil could get. Uh, Because he knew, before he ever became king, he knew idolatry was a bad way to go. And he went that way anyhow. Set up idols in Dan and Bethel. Uh, Look, had his hand withered. Uh, And after all of that, uh, he did not abandon uh, his evil way. I think we can squeeze in the so what's. The consequences of sin. Sin carries consequences. Uh, Now, if we are baptized into Christ Jesus, the penalty can be washed away. Uh, But the consequences, those you get. Now, God may decide to spare you consequences sometimes. He decided to spare David. When David stole Bathsheba uh, from Uriah, God spared him. Now, he still suffered some consequences, but he didn't suffer as many consequences as he could have. Uh, What we have to remember, when we do wrong, God has not promised to erase the consequences. And and many times, uh, Christians labor under the delusion, if I repent and pray, God will wipe away the consequences. God has never said any such thing. What he has promised to remove is the penalty. But the consequences, uh, you commit sin. Uh, Anybody remember Beretta? That's going back to 70s television. You remember the opening song for Beretta? Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. That's right. See, see the time is a consequence. And uh, now, don't try me, but if, if you think that's wrong, go out and commit a crime. You can do the time. That's the consequence for it. Yeah. So, yeah, don't go out and commit a crime. 
And if you do go out and commit one, don't mention my name, because I'm telling you now, uh, you commit a crime, that's what the law is for. Uh, the law is for the lawbreaker. Uh, but you know, we, we want to be very mindful of how we affect people whose lives are attached to us, and in particular, uh, your children. Uh, or maybe you have some influence over younger people or, or, or other Christians. You, you want to be mindful, very mindful uh, of that. Now, I pray to God that my children are faithful to the Lord. But the, the thing that would really cut me to the quick is if there was something in me that they allowed to influence them to go the wrong way. Uh, and, and you think about it, who, who do children see more than their parents? Because they live with you or did live with you at one point. Uh, you know, so if I tell my kids, look, uh, you, you still got to serve the Lord. Prayerfully, what they saw was me serving the Lord the whole time they were growing up. Because, you know, people will more so pay attention to what you do than what you, uh, than what you say. And prayerfully, they saw more than just me going to church on Sundays. Brother Ford. Is, I'm sorry. Is the quick more painful than the heart? Is what more powerful than the heart? You said cut you to the quick. Oh, oh, is the quick more powerful than the heart? Okay. I, I, I kept missing quick. I don't know. Okay, yeah, that's, that's one of those old expressions. That might be before your time. Uh, yeah, so, but we want to be mindful of the consequences uh, of sin. Uh, so not just those that I will suffer, but also the bad influence that I could be uh, on other people. Jeroboam's family was wiped out because of what Jeroboam did. And again, some of us might say, man, that doesn't seem fair. Uh, you go back to the days of Noah, you remember the whole world was destroyed by flood? You suppose everybody alive at that time was an adult? that could discern between good and, 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 and evil. I would venture there were some babies and some young kids around uh, that drowned in the flood just like the adults did, which is why we need to be mindful of the fact, you know, my life is intertwined with the lives of the people around me. So what I do, what I say can and will have uh, an effect on them. Uh, one more, so what, real quick. Uh, the importance of obedience and the danger of deceit. Uh, and we saw that with this younger prophet. Look, when God tells you what to do, stick with it. And it doesn't matter who comes and tells you anything to the contrary. Uh, our manner of operation ought to be the Bible says. And when people talk about, I feel, I think, I saw, I, I can't speak to any of those, but I can tell you what the Bible says. Now, when people argue with the Bible, remember, they're not arguing with you, they're arguing with God. Because who does scripture have as its uh, origin? God, yeah. So now if a person going to argue the scripture, don't be surprised uh, when what you say doesn't make much impact on them. If they're not going to listen to God, they sure not going to listen to you or me. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I just had the two so what's uh, for chapter 13. Any other comments, questions? Uh, if not, Lord willing, uh, next Wednesday, we'll start at chapter 14. Let's close with a word of prayer. Again, our Father and our God in heaven, do we thank you for this day. And Father, we are grateful for your word, the things that it speaks to us. Father, we are grateful for uh, your grace and mercy. And it is our prayer, Father, that you would bless us to stand firmly on the things that your word declares to be true. Help us to be good examples of your children in all that we say and in all that we do. Bless us, Father, we ask that we might be blessings to all of those that we come in contact with and that we will always live lives that bring glory to you. Father, again, we thank you for Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and in his name we do pray, amen. Thank you, Brother Ricky.
Good evening. Our song before the Devo will be number 841 and praise for the Lord. Sing and be happy. If the skies above you are gray, you are feeling so blue. If your cares and burdens seem great all the whole day through, there's a silver lining that shines in the heavenly land. Look by faith and see it, my friend. Trust in his promises grand. Sing and be happy. Press on to the goal. Trust him who leads you. He will keep your soul. Let all be faithful, look to him and pray. Lift your voice and praise him in song. Sing and be happy today. Oft we fail to see the rainbow up in heaven's fair sky. When it seems the fortunes of earth frown and pass us by. There are things we know that are worth more than silver and gold. If we hope and trust in each day, we shall have pleasure untold. Sing and be happy, press on to the goal. Trust him who leads you, he will Keep your soul, let all be faithful. Look to him and pray. Lift your voice and praise him in song. Sing and be happy today. <clears throat> the song after the Devo will be number 111, Come We That Love the Lord. Amen. Sing and be happy today. Thank God for this blessed day that we've had today. A wonderful day. A day that uh, we have had the opportunity to come together and fellowship with one another. So good evening, church family and guests, and those that are listening uh, via Zoom or Facebook. It is wonderful to be uh, fellowshipping uh, with the saints anytime. So we just thank God for this opportunity. Thank you, Brother Kevin, for pitching in uh, for singing tonight. I usually cover the verse of the day. So the verse of the day coming out of the version application is a very familiar passage of scripture. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. The prophet Isaiah says, but now Oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. When I read that scripture uh, this morning, I thought about a couple of other scriptures, but 
of course, uh, in my five minutes, I'll try to keep it as short as possible. Uh, God has the right over us. Like the potter has the right over his clay. And I'm also mindful of what the psalmist said in Psalms uh, 100. He's talking about the steadfast love. His steadfast love endures forever. Uh, these five verses says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. We just sung a hymn, sing and be happy. Oh, God is so worthy of our praise. He is so worthy of us uplifting him and glorifying him. Serve the Lord, he says, with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord, he is what? He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. As I uh, read those verses and, and I thought about us being the clay and God being the potter. You know, it is our best interest to surrender to Jesus Christ, God's Son and our Lord and Savior. We all need him. We all need Jesus, not the other way around. And those of us in Christ who have surrendered to the potter, to God Almighty, we have peace now. We have all that we need because we know all blessings, all spiritual blessings but found in Christ Jesus. And if you are here tonight or listening to us and you have not truly surrendered to the potter, remember, we are clay and God is the potter. Think about what Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31, that we need to love and serve God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said, love your neighbors as yourself. We are clay. God is the potter. Let us surrender to him. And if you're here tonight and you're listening also via Zoom and you're ready to surrender to God Almighty, you're ready to realize that you are clay and you need the potter.
you need God Almighty, you can give your life to him. If you've heard the gospel, the death, burial, res resurrection of Jesus Christ, God loved us enough that he allowed Jesus to die on that rugged cross for you and me. Believe it. Be willing to repent of your sins. Be willing to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then be willing to be baptized for the remission of your sins. And you will be added to the Lord's church, the church that he purchased with his own blood. And then you just need to walk and live faithfully until death or until Jesus comes back to get us. We are clay. God is the potter. Allow God to have his way with you. Not some of the time but all of the time. We need to live each waking moment for God Almighty. That's what we're here for. We're here to serve him, to glorify him, and to lift up Jesus the Christ, our Lord and Savior. And you know, once I, once I finally truly realized that I was nothing but clay, Oh, my life became so much easier after I surrendered to Jesus. And those of us in the church probably can say the same thing. All of us in here uh, in the church probably can say the same thing. Our life became so much easier once we realized who we are and who we serve. No, no, we serve a wonderful God, an outstanding God a God that loves us enough that he shower us with his grace and mercy, even though we're not worthy of it. If you're in the church and you need, to, need us to pray for you, we can do that as well. And if you're listening and if you have a prayer request, you can send that prayer request to us at elders at lowellchurch.net. And if you're listening and you're a fit candidate for baptism, you can send us an email at elders at Lowell. Uh, elders at lowerchurch.net or you can go to our website and, and contact us via our website. But whatever your state, we ask that if you're able, that you please stand as we sing our next hymn and have our closing prayer. Come we that love the Lord and let our joys be known. Join in a song with sweet accord, join in a song with sweet accord, and thus around the throne, and thus around the throne. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Let those refuse to sing who never knew our God. But children of the heavenly King, but children of the heavenly King, may speak their joys abroad, may speak their joys abroad. We're marching to Zion, 
Beautiful, beautiful Zion, we're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. The hill of Zion yields a thousand sacred sweets. Before we reach the heavenly fields, before we reach the heavenly fields, or walk the golden streets, or walk the golden streets. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Then let our songs abound and every tear be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground to fairer worlds on high, to fairer worlds on high. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Shall we pray? Our Holy Father, once again, we thank you to, for allowing us to come together, both here and in throughout the internet that we may be able to study your word that we may learn things that our brother ricky has taken the time to study and impart to us we ask you to be with us as we go on our way we ask you that we may meet together again in any way possible we ask you to be with those who are sick that they may be restored to their health and one day be joining us again be with us all in christ's name amen